computers. This is Intelligent Performance. Welcome to Intelligent Performance, where we are fanatical about excellence in human endeavor. And today we're gonna take this on a sales angle. So we've got one of the top salespeople at an enterprise level, um, a lady called Arishma Singh. She's now released a book focused on how other salespeople can transform their success and transform their mindset to actually open up and become the key to their performance. It's really powerful what we talk about, especially around emotional freedom technology, where we dig into how salespeople can use tapping techniques to basically get rid of some of the emotions, some of the charge around being a quote unquote salesperson, and how you can then turn that into a force for good to give you freedom around clients, to be able to perform and actually push and deal with the high levels of rejection, challenge, and pressure that goes, goes hand in hand with being in sales. Awesome conversation, thanks for joining us. Let's dive straight in. Where I'd love to start is what do people get wrong about sales? Because I think a lot of people, uh, especially if they've started their own business, they kind of find they have to do sales, where there's not many people really love doing sales. But I want to know from your perspective, um, you've you've been a career salesperson. What do people get wrong about this industry, do you think? It's the underlying myth that sits as a foundation of the industry, which is very much people think that salespeople are sneaky, icky, they're going to make you do something that you don't want to do and part from your money or make a decision that you're not supposed to make. So that's there's a fear around salespeople actually influencing in you, um, mm. you in a way that you didn't want to be influenced. And purchase dissonance exists in all shapes and forms, right from the time you actually even go to a shopping center and buy something. Later on, you're thinking, oh, did I make the right decision or not? But here you add in a salesperson. Um, they are now influencing you as well. So you're this bit of pressure. And all mm. humans like, like to be a bit polite. So they're not really speaking their mind or their truth. What they, they want to do is just avoid salespeople. And, and because salespeople and individuals already know that there is that myth that exists. So they in turn also actually shy away from actually selling, which is the foundation of their job. You're a salesperson, you're a business owner, you're there to sell. So um, you do need to actually say that I am going to sell to you. It's it's okay. And it's a decision not to. It's when it's only when actually somebody is feeling forced and pressured and put in a mm. corner is when that actually becomes a disrespectful engagement. Otherwise, yeah. um, I think everyone tries to not look like they're being salesy. And that's what I often hear from people. Oh, I don't want to be salesy. Um, well, sales is not a dirty word. It actually is. It's, it's a, one of the oldest professions. Yeah, I think done well. It's like anything really, isn't it? It's like done well, it's amazing. When I've dealt with amazing salespeople, I remember I bought a car some time ago and it was just, he was awesome. <laughs> and I really wanted to buy the car and he really made it a great experience. And, um, but I think it's the, equally, I also used to work in solar power and that was renowned for not that high pressure, you know, smokes and mirrors. And um, I think there's, and, putting everyone in the same category. It's like saying every hotel is the same as the one you just went to. Like it's, it's, it's varying degrees of, of quality and capability. Right. So, um, so I'm intrigued. You got a successful career as a, as a salesperson. You've, you work in a, a um, like in advanced enterprise level 
sales right now. What's kind of led you into looking at how salespeople can change their minds like, and, and use that to enhance their performance? How have you looked at that? Yeah, and I'll answer that basically by sharing a story. I, um, I come from Fiji Islands. My parents are teachers. And right from the beginning, uh, they had instilled a high performance mindset in me. You can imagine cool. timetable right from the beginning. So I felt high performance was in my DNA and I never questioned, um, you know, doing anything. It was not like, oh, I'm going to procrastinate from cold calling or stuff. I, nothing was actually difficult for me when it came to work. Um, so it was quite a bit of a shock to me um, after being quite ill several times and being in hospital and then being pumped with a lot of opioids, it actually affected my mind. And I ended up sitting in this meeting with my manager at a high-profile bank. And all of a sudden, I was lost for words. I forgot not only why I was there, but I also forgot my manager's name. And that was a really difficult time for me to actually think, what, what is happening? I have got no control all of a sudden. And that's what I feel that salespeople feel as well. There's just lack of control in their life um, at times when it comes to targets and expectations as well. So that led me to actually going deeper into myself to understand, well, how am I going to to basically develop myself again into a high performance person? And it was no longer about just, you know, being high performing, performing one year. It was about achieving sustainable success. And in order to achieve sustainable success, I believe that it's just exactly like how athletes perform. It goes deeper into your mindset. So you need to start looking into your subconscious and unconscious mind. Um, luckily, I already had um, access to tools that I had. And, and so I utilized it and actually created a, a methodology for myself by testing it out for a year, working actually part-time hours as well, but achieving the results that full-time sales professionals did, and I, and I was um, named basically the, uh, you know, salesperson of the year last year in our sales conference. So, it's I know it works. I know that um, you know when you work deeper into your psyche, nothing really feels difficult. Whereas if your mindset is not correct. Um, or you're impacted by, you know, health issues, as you can probably notice with COVID, a lot of people, no matter how great they were in whatever they did, there was basically a, a limitation that was presented. So how do you basically work through all of those different limitations? You have to bring another X factor, uh, you know, you need to really dig deep and get that grit out and bring out resilience in you. And in all of those EQ aspects really come from deep inside, which mm. which is the individual personality that a person has. And people always say people buy from people. So if you don't have things right within you, it will show. Mm. Interesting. I really love that. And yeah, naturally, this podcast is all about performance. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to hear how you've gone about it from a sales perspective. So I guess, what are the key traits that you think you need to have to be a high performance salesperson first and foremost um i've actually listed about 10 characteristics okay. of the respected salesperson so i won't give you all but there's two that i want to bring out one is considered and the other one is considerate 
They mm. sound similar, but actually are different. So a considered salesperson actually weighs out every single detail in their head before they are presenting options to their, um, to their client. Whereas a considerate salesperson is someone that really is attuned in their ear and how they actually are hearing from the client and actually trying to understand the depths of that client's need rather than just thinking, ah, oh, he said this, so I'm just going to present that option. So um, there's other other features and characteristics that are named in the book as well, but it, it all is around the basic things that humans actually sometimes forget. Um, it's not so much just about building trust. I think the, the last you know, 10 years, there's the trusted advisor concept that has come through quite a lot. And mm-hmm. I do believe that trust is inherent in any relationship, in any engagement. But I'm bringing the notion of respect in here because clients might trust you, uh, but that does not guarantee that they will buy from you. Salespeople actually forget that they're still on that sales engagement and sometimes get emotionally involved with their client and think, oh, but this person really likes me and I know that they've shared so much. But because they like you and because they trust you so much, sometimes they don't want to offend you. Whereas once you start having a, a respect, starting off at the um, on a respect, um, I guess foundations, it's a it's it's a mutual two way street where you are able to push each other's boundaries, you are able to ask some edgy questions, you are able to actually receive no from an answer and move on. It's only when we get stuck into one particular opportunity and we give all of our heart and soul into that, and then if it doesn't come through you know, you go deep down into your sorrows and start getting confused, self-doubt, stress, anxiety, all of that starts coming through. Whereas you need to actually separate all of that and work through it as if it is your it is your business. Every salesperson needs to operate their sales engagements as if it's their own business. So how are they going to make the right decision? And that's where the considerate aspect also comes through. Mm, interesting. So the considered sounds like it's someone, it's like a thinking salesperson. Is that what you're saying? Or is it someone yeah. who's like... So I, I actually, in the book, talk about three levels of decision-making. Uh, one is the conscious mind, which is very much your analytical sphere. And I use, uh, it within the book also, there's actually a sales quiz persona, because there's also this idea that all salespeople are the same. They're not. So I've kind of used a few different personalities from Hollywood. Um, and think about Sherlock Holmes, for example. Now, he considers all of the different options, and you might actually want to take that part of the persona and instill it into your sales personality. Then if you think about someone like uh, uh, Wolf of Wall Street, he's just a confidence confidence person. He He's not considering all the you know, long-term impact, so he's doing something that you're not supposed to do. However, it's because of his confidence it's so mm. so high people are you know attracted to that but there is something to that personality that you also need to instill in you whereas you see someone like uh, you know the lady from devil wears prada has that authority authoritative streak about her that you know what she's doing what she's saying is very congruent you may not like it but she's not bluffing you she's telling you exactly how it is so there's different personality traits that I've actually used to explain like how 
we fit into different persona types and maybe be mindful of like where your downfalls are and where your, you know, strengths are as well. Okay, cool. I like the, um, yeah, and I think there is a dance, right, isn't there? There's times, actually, I think just to touch on respect versus trust, I think that's a really interesting uh, separation there because you're right, everyone in sales often goes for trust, but it's actually the ability to, it's respect is where, is, is the promised land in many ways because, yeah, you can trust someone but not respect them, but you you typically respect someone and trust is kind of built in to that as well in some degree, right? Yeah, I, I think of it as more like, okay, respect is something that you can very quickly establish right on the mm. first meeting because you've created boundaries. That's the essential ingredient in my mind of what respect means. Trust is something that actually forms like ongoing and it's very subtle and it is established from a long-term trust basis that, okay, I, I like this person, I want to deal it probably helps more in referrals and networking, etc. Whereas with respect, at least if you've got a clear boundary saying, I'm going to talk to you about some of the key problems that you have in your business, and I will need you to be honest and upfront with me about these issues. I'll ask you some questions that maybe you're uncomfortable with. But the purpose and intention over here is for me to really get down to your problem space. Whereas if you don't actually articulate all of that right from the beginning and have that mutual boundaries and the respect foundations right, then you're dancing around the issues. You don't want to ask them, hey, is this actually budgeted for <laughs> six months down later the track? Mm. You wasted a lot of your time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you realize, actually, this person doesn't have any decision-making authority. They might, they might have thought that they did, but that you didn't ask that question because you wanted to be polite. You, you thought that question was very salesy. So it's about how do you go ahead and deliver those um, questions and scenarios and I would say relationship boundaries. I, I kind of talk about a relationship between a, you know, a couple, a hetero or, or homosexual couples in the first date, you know, how do you set the scenarios? Are you actually like presenting a fake identity there because you want them, the other person mm. to just like you? Yeah. Or are you actually really interested in showcasing who you are, what your objectives are um, and what do you want to get in life? Because if you just dance around the subject, it, it seems like you might just waste a lot of your time with somebody. Maybe it's an interesting engagement, but that's where it stops. Yeah, and I think if you're an interested buyer, like a genuine one, not that that's the most annoying thing when salespeople can't be upfront or transparent about what you're trying to do. I know I spoke to a sales guy last week, we're like trying to sell a house at the moment. And it's, yeah, I was just like, look, mate, I'm just going to cut straight to the chase. Let's get straight down to the numbers. Like, and I was just, um, and it was great. He actually responded in kind, which was, and it was, and it was great. But it's when that you try and build the fluff sometimes where you just, I was just trying to fact find and work that out. So, um, no, really cool stuff. So tell me the tagline on this book is probably the way I'm most intrigued. So it's how to change your mind before you change minds, right? So tell, let's talk through some of the actual strategies. Let's say, I'm a, a sales guy who's been in the industry for a long time, which I have. And, you know, I'm, I'm caught up. I've got a, a lot of people don't like sales. I'm not a huge fan of it either. Arishma, is it like a, a personally, like when you, would I introduce myself as a sales guy? No, I wouldn't for, for, for the reasons in many ways, the connotations which might come with that. Talk to me like how, do, how can people navigate that kind of, um, I don't know that, 
the unintended identity that they may have accumulated and how, and how can they kind of channel that? Something yeah. Yes, and I, I actually like uh, set the scenario right in the first two chapters because when I was writing this book, I went out and interviewed many different types of sales professionals from different types of industries. I also interviewed clients as well, but also pre-sales, delivery, training type. So I was trying to get a holistic idea of what people thought about sales. And the first two chapters are very much just laying the foundation about why do we actually feel a bit uncomfortable with the idea of being a salesperson. Mm. So that's the basic thing that actually needs to be first clarified. And um, then I go into the... the what is it? The, <laughs> it? It's simply because we want to be liked, right. um, you know, and, and we believe that sales industry is tarnished with a lot of stereotypes and myths that you don't want mm. to associate. Even your own family members, you know, sometimes make jokes um, about the profession, they think that all you're doing is, you know, talking and maybe having coffees or wines with your client rather than actually doing some work. So there's this negative perception about the industry that needs to actually change. Uh, but it needs to first change within your mind. Um, if we don't have respect for our own profession, who will? Um, mm. and, and I think in the very way that we conduct ourselves um, on a day-to-day -day basis shows that because if you are uncomfortable as a salesperson, you don't want to look salesy, you don't want to be someone that is considered sales, you want to be an account relationship manager or a consultant, then you're not going to ask for the money, the sale. Yeah. Um, so so that, that is a big barrier that most sales professionals actually have. They don't just don't, they want to do these other interesting, exciting parts of the sales job, but not the yucky, icky part. So the first aspect is like just getting your identity right and understand again deeply, like where did your stereotypes come from? Is it coming from family, your teachers, you know, surrounding? Is it your own business as well? What is management doing? Um, what is what type of salesperson you are? Are you someone who's a gregarious, you know, outgoing person, or you're a quiet achiever, or you're analytical, or you're someone that actually goes with their gut instincts? So there's so many different types of personas exist. So understanding what kind of salesperson you are and be comfortable in your skin about it. Mm. Then I go through this drive methodologies where I go deeper into the thought patterns related to a timeline. So what did you think of, um, let's let's just take money as an example here. What was your relationship with money when you were growing up? Did you actually, did your parents always say, for example, money grows on trees? It doesn't grow on trees or, you know, are rich people are not good people, for example, or it's not spiritual to be rich. So if you have those negative associations with those concepts, then you unconsciously will actually push yourself um, not to succeed. You'll create unconscious barriers. Then there's the standard habits that you probably know about, you know, high performance individuals. And it's not just about, you know, what what are you doing from a sales process perspective, but it's also looking after yourself, what time you're waking up, how are you actually, your day looks like in, your, in terms of your organization, how are you doing self-care? Um, so, and what do you do to celebrate? What do you do when some people actually are really punishing when they don't hit their numbers. So mm. um, those habits. Then after that, I go into like the reasons. So 
what are some of the excuses that you're actually making when you're not able to perform? So getting down into that. And then after that, it's about now your unconscious mind, which is showing in your instincts, which is very much your gut intuition behaviours, then your imprints, and these are the things that are not belonging to you, but it may come from a generational imprinting process. And then your impulses, things that you actually have never thought about, but it's just uncontrolled um, behaviours at times that comes and interrupts you. Then I go into your value system as well. And that's where you can very much understand, okay, who is a Rishma as a, as a human? What, what do I believe is actually going to be my personal branding when I go out and sell to the world compared to maybe an organization? So that actually is very neatly going to be defined. And the final part is your energy and your emotions. How do you actually come out and express in the world? People can suss out, they can sniff in other people's vibe and energy even when not not even in like in person but also actually online you can really see if somebody is really engaged or they're bored with their job they don't like what they're doing mm. and if you don't if you can see that somebody doesn't like their job you really don't want to interact much with them so all of that actually comes into the elements of performance yeah interesting so it sounds like it's getting very um intimate with yourself in many ways about absolutely getting- your real thoughts and feelings. And then, because I know, yeah, I think I, I was, I'm trying to think of a time where it's, uh, I ran into an issue that I had, I had like customer complaint. This is when I used to work in solar power. And we had a customer complain about the product and didn't didn't produce the result we were, we, were, we, were, we effectively hoped it would or it can do. And I remember that really impacted me at some point. And I think it, it also helped me understand that it really, it's not about People don't expect perfection when they buy anything necessarily. It's actually about management of expectations. And it's quite okay to tell people the limitations of your product. Like in solar, if you're going to be away all day and you mainly use power at night, it's not that good or can be, you know, the results aren't going to be as good as someone else. And so I think it's, um, that certainly helped me feel like you don't have to be that super slimy person or you have to kind of present the good image all the time or the perfection and, and actually the value I, th- I think in terms of respect actually comes when you start to talk about limitations about products and then having the freedom to talk about that and say look we're just really we're really good at x but we're not so good at y and that can actually be really freeing for a customer for a salesperson because then you're just not having to be everything to, to to everyone so where does the actual pitch component or the way you converse does that come through that inner work Arishma or how do you how does that inter, in, interact with what you're just talking about yeah I, I mean I think uh, it will showcase in every aspect of your sales dynamic right from the time when you're prospecting for example and um, that comes into your habits right how how well are you actually organized to mm. do the things that you're set out to do how well are you planning for your accounts and the strategy that you have for that year um, but then the after that is calling most people have this fear of rejection and they don't know why they do that so they will make some kind of excuse and procrastinate doing it um, or or just use the easy method of just emailing send lots of last email campaigns rather than actually picking up the phone and talking to a human because sales is a very human to human interaction but then also in the presentation like you know i notice sometimes people have sweating palms they're shaking and while their vocabulary is like a perfect pitch but what their body language is showing is completely different yeah I'm and 
the thing is that we are buying uh, uh, based on like you know more than 90% of uh, you know unconscious dynamics that are happening around us as humans we make those decisions on an emotional basis so if we don't have our emotional emotions in check don't have our energy in check um, and our mindset in check then it will show and if you're if you're actually are not telling the truth if you're you know you, you use the word slimy you can imagine if like you know if your personality is not slimy and you know you're doing something slimy then how are yep. you going to present yourself absolutely you'll be you'll be uncomfortable it will yep. show in your body that oh, and like dogs, the other person can sniff out all of mm. the BS. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, yeah, 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 okay, I'll call you back. And then they just disappear off the planet. Never. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, Arisha, I want to go back to that story you mentioned about your meeting with the, the boss of a prominent bank or well known bank. And to, I want you, can you share with us a bit about when you started to do this internal work, what did you actually find? Like, what, what was there for you when you started to? take a step back, have a look at it. Um, because I think it's great. Obviously, you're a living proof that the process works. But I think what's also often tricky, it's often what, what did you discover about yourself prior? I, I discovered a lot of my own unconscious bias as a woman of colour, which I didn't realise that I was holding on to. Um, uh, English is my second language, I think in Hindi. And for some reason, um, I, it was quite interesting that like for a long time, I've been hearing all these stories from my grandmother about how the in Indians were brought by British into Fiji and, you know, indentured laborers and there's a superiority and inferiority complex that was actually building up. And then when I came to Australia, as you probably noticed, sales is, a, is an industry where it's very much male-dominated industry. So I had this competitive streak about like, okay, I need to be the top, I need to be the top. But it's coming from a place of lack where I needed to prove myself rather than a place of true confidence. So in, in actually noticing that like how deep depressed I became up, up by one single incident of not really remembering things and then starting to doubt my ability to perform again, I really had to go and look into all of those yucky aspects of me that I denied. I thought that, oh, I don't want to be that. Uh, but, you know, I am a woman of colour. I, I do speak a different language. And um, sometimes my pronunciation is not correct. So mm. uh, now that I'm embracing it completely, my engagement with, um, I would say, clients, colleagues, management, everything is very fluid because there's, they call me Rish here. So there's Rishisms, you know, there's certain things that I do that is very unique to me. And it's that uniqueness that I'm able to utilize to sell better. I'm able to say, hey, I, I, I don't believe that I heard something in your voice. Then what was that about? Whereas 10 years back, I would never say that to a client that, oh, I'm hearing something. What is that about? Whereas I'm using my whole Indian roots now completely to my own advantage oh amazing yeah. and how did you find that process like did you find are you the type of person where you just kind of like oh it's easy that's great oh, oh i'm just feeling inadequate <laughs> or <laughs> no. oh. <laughs> it was it was quite um 
gut-wrenching, I would say. Uh, but the, the good news is that I EFT is the tool that I recommend, um, and I'm an, an emotional freedom techniques practitioner. So when you're tapping while you're going through your own garbage, um, it is actually a much easier process. So I had to allocate some specific time. And the good news is that I actually like compartmentalized it into certain process. So the things that I actually didn't feel comfortable with doing anymore, I had to actually provide focus onto those and then make some tasks around like, why am I not doing it? What's, what is it actually about me that stops me from going there? Maybe I need to have a much tougher discussion with my manager. Why am I not actually doing that? So going deeper, deeper, deeper and to the point where I had to really like clean the slate of all of the excuses that I had in my mind. So you really have to get very honest with yourself when you want to change your mind. Like change is not an easy process. And yeah, there were lots of just tears when initially I was uncovering yeah. things about myself that I didn't like. I didn't want to accept it. Um, you know, I always was considered as somebody that was quite uh, challenging as a personality to begin with. Um, and and I thought, like, you know, just move on. Let's let's just stay focused. But now I'm not doing that. I'm like, okay, okay, tell me more. I want to understand a bit more about this because now I've got the curiosity mindset rather than previously it's like, that's not my objective. Can we park that? Let's just focus, you know, an A personality that just goes yeah. bang, 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 like a ninja. Yeah. So I'm not no longer like that. And, and my friends are telling me that, you know, you're a bit more chill these days than you were before. So it shows. Tell us about this EFT. So I'm actually not familiar with this at all. So and what talk us through the tapping piece. So let's say someone is taking a look at trying to confront or having the courage to confront their themselves should we say talk us through a little bit about that what's the methodology and what's the actual thinking behind it yeah well first of all i'd like to say eft stands for emotional freedom techniques it's a set of sequences that is made really simplified by a stanford engineer named gary craig it came from basically two two fields one is thought field therapy from psychology um, that Dr. Roger Callahan actually created. And then the other side of it is very much embedded on the traditional Chinese medicine, which is the meridian energy, the acupressure points. So what you're doing is actually stimulating aspects of your points in your uh, different parts of your face and your hands while stating uh, a sequence of statements that are related to your truth. And when you're doing that, it's just that the, the points that actually are being tapped on, they are connected to various parts of your body because the, according to the energy meridian system, every point denotes a particular organ. All organs hold different types of emotions. And they all, the whole process of actually tapping, what it does is actually calms your amygdala down. And the amygdala is actually right next to your hippocampus as well. And as you're calming certain aspects of those stress issues, your memory center will bring in forth another issue for you to be presented with to work on. So it's a very good process of actually really diluting all of the stress that we, we hold in our body. And once you actually calm your amygdala and calm your whole stress and nervous system down, which means that you're now freeing up your prefrontal cortex, which is where your creativity and analytical skills are, that starts functioning in a better way. 
you can't perform when you're completely stressed out. In, for, in terms of distress, you only need a certain percentage for you to kind of feel like, oh, okay, it's going to let me go ahead a bit. But there's a certain point where performance actually drops significantly. So you don't want to be on that bell curve where you've just had excess stress. And if you imagine the life of a salesperson, it's day in, day out stress. You are constantly going through sure. pressure to perform from up and then rejection and abandonment from your clients. So, <laughs> you know, Tell me about it. <laughs> and, and then the, this notion is you're as good as your last sales numbers. So, yeah. you know, you can never be a, a hero forever. It's, you know, it's like, okay, when you're one hit wonder, you've actually performed once, but how do you maintain that yeah, traction throughout your career? It's, mm. it's, it's quite bombarding. So yeah. that means you do need to actually have some practices and build. I mean, meditation is something that definitely I have always utilized. But what I loved about EFT is being able to actually just compartmentalize those different tasks. So, for example, if I have a call to make to a large bank and I'm going to make that call to a chief technology officer and I already have this in my gut going, uh, I don't think I'm not sure what what words to use. What if they think I'm not good enough? What if they actually ask me a question that I can't answer? I'd rather not make that call. So, so, all, so what you can do is actually break down all of those reasons that I've just pointed out, check in your body, where is that little sensation, and then tap it out. So that then, that, that no longer is actually an excuse anymore. Cool. You, you can move on. But if there's another thing that pops up, you can actually tap on that. So that's exactly what I did throughout like a year to look wow. at all my issues. And that's what's actually in the book now. Cool. I love that. And I think um, Arishma, you've done a very succinct job. I think one, one thing when we talk to Olympic athletes, people at the top of the game, business professionals, what's, often they find it really hard to actually break down what was, what was it they actually did. And, you know, I've spoken to world record holders and they're like, I don't actually know <laughs> how. And so I think to pass on that knowledge is, is really tricky. And I think the emotional freedom technique, like it's, I think it's, it's almost like anyone who's dealt with being in business a long time. Like I know my my wife and I, in terms of when we talk about businesses, like it's often you can think back to previous businesses, even regardless of how good your business is right now. Like you, you think back to your previous experience, and there's often like a concern, oh, you know, that really hurt last time that that idea didn't, didn't quite work out, or and so it's not even like the current business. It's sometimes what you did before or before that or the what the market change or government legislation change and blah 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 it's can be really tricky as you say to stay to stay current to stay freed up almost and 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 and, and centered yeah yeah and that's where the freedom part comes to if you actually just become free of all of these emotions that you're carrying with you from yeah. your past and that's where the timeline comes in and even it's not something that maybe even happened in childhood maybe Two years back, you know, you might have had like construction clients, for example, that were just terribly difficult to sell into. Mm. Then you've just formed basically this kind of judgment call that I'm not going to contact the construction yeah. industry. They're just hard to sell to. <laughs> Can you imagine if you just start saying they're hard to sell? I'm not selling to them. They're hard to sell. I'm not selling them. Um, it's, yeah. It's it seems crazy, but it happens all the time. And I think also from yeah. colleagues, right? You, you, when you join a business, they, te they tell you how it is. 
And I yeah, think, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and that was in for those who can't see the video, it's inverted, you know, inverted commas. That, you know, they tell you how it is or how they think it is or or their experience, and, and they're also often sharing a lot of their trauma, concern, worries, etc. So exactly, <laughs> and it's your job as a salesperson not to take on the trauma. Yeah. You can take the intel, but don't take the other people's crap and think that that's going to be yours. You just have to free yourself from that. Um, I've seen people actually come in and literally turn these accounts that were barren into gold mine. Mm. So it can be turned. It's it's just something that we if we tell our mind that that's unachievable, it definitely is unachievable. And you talked about um, athletes, and I say that salespeople are the athletes of an organization they're the driving force the engine so and athletes do use EFT to actually improve their performance because they know I mean Roger Federer's classic example he always talks about that you know it's it's the attitude that you know 90% of it is really your mind that helps you achieve uh, and win mm. on a on a consistent basis yeah. So I'm all about sustainable success, not just a one-hit wonders. Um, and to, to achieve a sustainable success, you actually have to invest in yourself time-wise to work through in on all of your issues, which I would say from a training and development perspective, it's lacking in, in sales because your management uh, is there to help you support with product knowledge. They'll help you with sales skills. They probably will help with your processes and systems. But when it comes to you as an individual, every single salesperson is so different. They can't be going on, you know, basically babysitting every single salesperson and understanding their emotions. Be like, get a tough skin, you know, move on. So everybody expects salespeople to have thick skin, but some are faking it. So it's about no longer faking it. Just just Mm. become real. Love that. Arishma, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, your book, The Respected Salesperson, How to Change Your Mind Before Changing Others, um, is out now. We are super grateful for your practical strategies, and uh, we'll put a link below for those who might be interested in taking a closer look. So, yeah, look, thank you so much for your time, Arishma. It's been awesome. Thank you.